Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. That kid is back on the escalator again. Ain't gonna hurt. Is my boomstick. Game over, man. Game over. Welcome to the Bargain Bin. Here's your host, Ben Mason. And here's your co-host, Sandra Luketic. And today we're talking January's listener pick submitted by Andy. 1993, technically I said 94, but we're talking Demolition Man. Well, is it 93 or 94? Technically it was released in theaters at the end of 93, but hit home video in 94, which I think is where most of us would have seen it. So I'm okay with saying 94. Okay, then. That clarifies things. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ben, what's your history with this movie? That's my question. I know. I, I first saw this in 94 on VHS. Uh, I mean, you look at the, the cover art of the, the stare down between Stallone and Snipes, and it, it screams early 90s action film, which we both love. And this movie definitely delivers. I just remember being blown away at the time at how insane this movie truly is. Now, I would have been, what, 11, 12 when this came out? Yeah, an appropriate age for it. Oh, yeah. So seeing like <laughs> a rated R futuristic utopian or maybe dystopian uh, action film where we're getting the, the really gritty take on what was then a futuristic 96 Los Angeles and then being slammed with a, a super clean, lean uh, 2032 San Angeles. It was a really neat idea for a kid my age who'd never really been presented that situation before. So right away, you're already drawn into the film and then you get crazy action scenes, over the top characters, a ridiculous take on what the future would be twice. And yeah, we're presented with a, an insanely fun action film. What about you? What, what, what's your history with this movie? I saw it when it was new, um, probably on rental, like VHS, like you said, not in the mm -hmm. theaters, because that would have been 10. But I have seen this movie multiple times over the years. It is one of the ones that, when I thought of Stallone, um, I put right at the top with Rocky Four for movies that I'd seen kind of like frequently and really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And it was actually the movie that made me a fan of Wesley Snipes because I don't think I'd really seen him in anything before that. Yeah. Um, safe to say that Wesley Snipes highly overlooked at his ability, not just acting, but martial arts. Uh, his screen presence is unlike anyone I think I've ever seen before. Uh, I don't know how he did not become a bigger star other than, you know, tax evasion and going to prison for a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'll do it. <laughs> but uh just fantastic man absolutely fantastic before we like before we play your game i have mm -hmm. to say i'm gonna touch on the beginning of this movie i saw this movie countless times as a kid did not remember the opening scene at all and that kind of came up throughout the film like i i've i've seen this so many times but there's so much i had forgotten about it i'm really excited to get into it and talk about it but yes of course your game which i know for a fact i am going to fail miserably right but that's kind of the safe bet at this point isn't it oh i think this one's going to be the worst yet all right well let's uh let's have it 
Okay, because I like we, you and I watch movies together outside of the bargain bin. Yeah, I've actually found that there's been times where that's confused me on movies we've covered before, and it's like, no, no, that's just a movie we watched. Yeah, exactly. And there's a lot of people in this movie that you and I have encountered before. I just don't know in what regard. Yeah, that's really fun. I'm glad I don't have to do this game. Yeah, yeah, great. <laughs> So even with Stallone, I don't even know. So we'll go with, uh, okay, first off, t how many people? Tell me how many actors. Uh, five. Okay. Um, all right, we'll see. <laughs> um, Stallone. Of course. Tango and Cash. Yeah. Did we do Rocky Four for this show? We did. Okay, Rocky Four. Does channel surfing count? No. Okay. Uh, Technically, he's in Last Action Hero. Didn't count that. Okay. How many more do I have? One to go. One to go, huh? You're going to kick yourself. It's a big one. Uh, it wasn't Samaritan, was it? Mm-mm. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm probably going to kick myself. <sighs> okay, so Rocky IV. We did it recently, too, didn't we? Um, yeah, recently-ish. What is it? Think product placement. Cobra. Yep. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I knew that hint was going to get you. <laughs> yeah, that was a good clue. Uh, I don't think we've covered Snipes before, have we? Nope. Okay, that's shocking. I don't think we talked Sandra Bullock. Nope. Or Benjamin Bratt or Dennis Leary. Uh, oh, uh, oh, I know. Uh, are we counting like uncredited characters or actors? Nope. You know I don't check uncredited, so Jack Black is not on this list. Damn it. I had that one. <laughs> oh, dear God. His role in this movie is hilarious. Bill Cobbs? Yep. Um, shit. Such a good actor. What did we cover him in? A hint? Uh, one of the few sequels we've covered. Oh... Uh... Has a tie-in with someone uncredited in this movie. It's only one movie, too, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I still know what you did last summer with Jack Black. Right. With Jack Black, of course. A three to go. He was great in that movie. Oh, three. Yeah, I have no idea. Okay, come on. Come on. Oh, Jesse Ventura. Yes. But saying Bill Cobbs was good in a movie, it's like, yeah, that's kind of redundant. That's true. <laughs> yes, kinda he like, was. Kind of like Dick Miller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Jesse Ventura. Correct. The Running Man. Mm-hmm. We didn't do Predator, did we? Nope. That's also crazy. Rest in peace, Carl Weathers. Yeah, right? Oh, that hurt, man. Action Jackson's gone. Jesse Ventura. What else did you do? Uh, no holds barred. There you go. Whew. I was trying to think wrestler, wrestler, wrestler. Hogan. <laughs> uh, did we cover Rob Schneider in anything? Nope. Okay, good. Also shocking. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know, man. I don't know who else there is. All done? Yeah. So we did do Dennis Leary. We did? Mm-hmm. In what? In the Sandlot. I don't remember him in that movie. He's the dad. I don't really remember the Sandlot. 
Okay. <laughs> you remember we covered the Sandlot, right? I know. I know we did. Yeah. You're, okay. All right. You're killing this Moss. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember was... that line and uh, a weird fake dog. Yes. Oh. Oh, the worst. But yeah, he was the dad that didn't want to play catch with Smalls. Who else do we have? The last one was Troy Evans. Troy Evans. I know we didn't cover it, but he was in, in Ace Ventura, wasn't he? Uh, oh, God. That, that man's in everything. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> How, exactly. This, <laughs> it's like Al Leong. Like, you just name no, a movie. No, no, no. We've only had him in two. Two? Oh, yeah, God. Yeah, we, we've had him in two. No, I, I don't know. Uh, he was in Under Siege. Right, he was, yeah. And Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf? Yeah, that's what it said. He was one of the coaches. I forgot. Oh, which. that's right. He was. I think he was the Dragons coach, maybe? Yeah, he, he was the coach of the Dragons. You're right. That, that's a tough one, though, man. Yeah. That's good, though. Like I said, there's so many people in this movie, though. Like I, I don't even know who we had covered on the show and who we have talked about off the show. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so... Before we actually get into the movie, um, do you want to share what the reason is that we're covering it? Oh, yeah. I should have had that up on screen. <laughs> we are professional. My apologies. I have to bring this up on my phone. Uh, so Andy wrote in, this was one of my favorite Stallone movies when I was a kid. It is such a campy 90s action that is nostalgic to me. You can't really argue with any of that. Yeah, summed it up perfectly. That's that's exactly right. I think anybody who watched this as a kid when it came out, like it will stay with them. It is pure nostalgia. There's no way you're forgetting this movie. Maybe bits and pieces, but I have a bad memory. Um, but it, it sticks with you. And there, there are certain scenes that will stay with you forever, certain lines forever. The, the look, amazing. The technological predictions, phenomenal. Um, yeah, Andy, very, very happy that you picked this one. Thank you. Uh, I couldn't believe that it won against Conan the Barbarian as, as strongly as it did. I thought Conan would win that one for sure. But honestly, for us, Andrew, it's win-win when it comes to those two. Yeah, I would have been perfectly fine with either of them. Yeah. So what, uh, what do you say we get into this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Los Angeles 96, I guess. <laughs> this is, again, an issue that I've brought up so many times. Just don't date it. Yeah. Just say present day or whatever, right? Like, don't date it. You can use generic phrasing. No one is going to come back and write an angry letter saying, oh, you said that this was the present day and this isn't what it looks like when I look out the window. Like, it's fine. But also, why pick a date so close to when the film is released? Because <laughs> they did, probably just didn't care. Like, whatever. You, know, you look at... Um, Escape from New York or The Running Man that both set in 97, but both released in the 80s. Like, it gives enough time to be like, yeah, maybe the world has declined quickly enough that this is potentially an accurate, you know, depiction. It's, it's hilarious, too, because during the time that he's frozen, they have the big one, which is what creates, like, this new future. Yeah. 
but you're watching this opening scene and you're like this isn't after the earthquake yeah it looks <laughs> the city is in complete chaos the the hollywood signs on fire the city itself seems to be on fire just a perpetual fire like yeah. no one's tending to it it's just there yeah los angeles 96 is just one giant tire fire yeah apparently so the police are making an unauthorized attack on a warehouse i don't know how they could get a police helicopter and have like pilot co-pilot uh other people ready to go on the attack without it being unauthorized but it is yeah there's way too many moving parts for this to not have been like a patrol <laughs> exactly so the whole thing's led by john spartan played by sly stallone and what a ridiculous name i love it john spartan is it's, perfect it's total 80s action star right there and the goal is to take out criminal simon phoenix played by wesley snipes who has taken a busload of people hostage sure but what's going on with this warehouse they seem to have everything here down pretty well it seems to be like a, a headquarters for him almost well, yeah, there's a whole discussion about how, like, this is Simon Phoenix's territory, like his part of the city, almost like the police have essentially turned a blind eye to this area. And he just conducts himself there. And he only really is being tracked because he crossed the line and kidnapped a bus full of people because he even says, like, that bus driver should have known not to be driving here. Yeah, and that I have a problem with that, too, because even the police, he says the police know not to go there. Everybody yeah. knows not to go there. Why is there a bus driving through it? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Just dumb driver? I don't know. Speaking of dumb, Spartan's attack, the bungee jump from that helicopter was risky at best. <laughs> what are you talking about? Just jumping out of a helicopter with a bungee cord and like letting yourself go after the first bat? This seems like a safe way to land. Send a maniac to catch a maniac. He stops just before the rooftop. Imagine he just hit hard. <laughs> well, I wouldn't, because they wouldn't make that movie. That would be amazing, though. I'd love to see that spoof. Um, the action scenes of him taking out Phoenix's thugs. Perfect. Absolutely perfect way to set up an early 90s action film. It's so violent. It's exactly what I want from this. But the confrontation between Phoenix and Spartan, how do you feel about this? I love it. Yeah? What, what about it do you love so much? So, watching this scene for the first time in a long time, though I had seen it many times before, was the first instance of this rewatch where I was like, Wesley Snipes is playing his version of the Joker. Just an insane villain who wants to see the world burn. With no motivation of, like, anything higher than what he's currently doing. Yeah, he has his, like, dealings that he makes his money, whatever. But, like, this whole confrontation is him just, like, cynically having fun with a ridiculous situation. A standoff, knowing that there's all these hostages dead. Like, he's just wanting to watch the world. Yeah. Well, he, he knows they're dead. We don't. Yeah, but when you know that on a rewatch, it makes his behavior that much better. Oh, definitely. His charisma is phenomenal. It's through the roof. Mm-hmm. And he plays the character so carefree, which is great because, yeah, the, calling him the Joker is perfect because Stallone is violent Batman. He's Batman who kills. I'd say he's more like a dread. 
<laughs> no, we're not. No, no, about no one would ever make Stallone dread. No, Sorry, never. And if they did, they'd have to keep the helmet on the whole time, so no, no, it was him. Mm-hmm. And the two, <laughs> the two play off of each other so well, man. I, I do hate how Phoenix sets fire to the building. It is a set piece that just is too over the top for me. Like. Spartan knocks him out and rushes him out of the building before the whole thing explodes. First of all, no. No. I, I have literally no problem with him setting the building on fire. I have a problem with him and not having an escape plan. <laughs> because otherwise, he was just going to go down with the building and hope that John saves him. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> right? Like, that's the part I have a problem with. Stacks of barrels of liquid C4, which I have never seen in a film before. Of course, that's going to destroy the entire building. There's no way either of them could have survived that explosion. It even looks that way in the movie. Because they show the entire building explode and then cut to Stallone with snipes on his shoulders running down a hallway that just doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah, but how awesomely 80s action is it? It's great, especially for it being in the 90s. I'll be honest with you, like, I'm surprised Stallone even saves Phoenix here. Obviously, this is our first encounter with him, but like, as the movie goes forward, Stallone has no qualms about killing this guy. He's not trying to bring him into justice, he's just trying to kill him. I think maybe the only reason he would be trying to save him in this situation is because he thinks he can tell him where the hostages are. Which I find strange because throughout the film, we see that Stallone doesn't even really care about anybody. Yeah, I feel like Stallone would have just walked out and like, yeah, it's cool, you're done. Finish with Phoenix. Yeah. yeah, it's like he has some weird drive to stop Phoenix, not to save anyone else. He just needs to know that he could stop him. Because later on in the movie, where he gets that like, glow rod, and he just asks if it works, and <laughs> takes out a random guy who has no idea what's going on. You shouldn't have been standing there! He like, tases him in the head, of all places. <laughs> Like, you don't know what it does. Hit him in, like, the leg or something, <laughs> not the back of the head. Well, I think the police probably don't even know they're not using these things. That's true. But yeah, we learned that Spartan was wrong and that hostages were actually in the building. He had done a thermal scan and saw only eight bodies, all of whom were members of Phoenix's gang, which he really has no way of discerning if that was the case or not, but that at least there were eight people there. Well, because the bus, they said, was like 30 people or something like that, so there should have been more. Yeah, but what if these were just eight survivors? Phoenix isn't going to be there by himself. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, when they're flying in, you see, like, you actually see the gunfire towards the helicopter, which I thought looked really cool, but seemed like a lot more than eight people. Yeah. And, of course, they didn't hit anything, because... Stormtroopers. Yeah. But I like how you do a thermal scan and there's no document of it. Yeah. You get pulled over for speeding, you can ask them to show you the radar. This guy does a thermal scan for hostages and there's no record of it. Well, this is because he's just making it up. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't do a thermal didn't scan. Didn't do a thing. <laughs> like he, of... said, he doesn't care about anyone else. He's like, oh yeah, I did a thermal scan and there were eight bodies, none of them hostages. <laughs> Everyone's looking at him with a shifty eye, being like, you're, 
we we know you're lying right now. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. If we keep telling you, just looking out the window is not a thermal scan. <laughs> I called Apollo. Apollo said eight, so eight thermal scan. Oh, okay. yeah, bring Apollo up. So Spartan's convicted of involuntary manslaughter, and both he and Phoenix are sent to a cryo prison where they're frozen and subjected to subliminal rehabilitation, which I think is quite an interesting concept, but also doesn't really seem like rehabilitation or punishment. Because I feel like a lot of prison sentences are meant for people to, you know, consider what they've done, repent, as well as given the opportunity to improve themselves if they so choose. Yes. This is, we're going to freeze you and give you everything to make you better. <laughs> You're the future's problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're just sweeping you under the rug. What are your thoughts on the cryo process? It's savage. It really is, right? <laughs> like, this is torture. It's not prison, it's torture. Yeah, that tiny little tank. And it only gets worse, too. <laughs> it combines two of my biggest fears, claustrophobia and drowning. Yeah, and it only gets worse later when he's talking about how he was a, like awake or dreaming the whole Conscious. time. Like, that's awful. Interesting development in the prison world, though. I mean, it does definitely save money on staffing, food, cleaning, housing, and whatnot. But for a film that's so satirical, they don't really get into that at all. I found that weird. No, they just needed to move them into the future somehow. So we cut to the prison in 2032, speaking of the future. We get our intro to Warden Smithers and Lunita Huxley, played by Sandra Bullock, who is not on her break. intro. It's not her intro? It's not the Smithers intro. Oh, we saw him earlier, yes. He freezes them. It, they yeah. have a young guy freeze them. That's right. And then the exact same name as an old man. Because somehow we didn't put together that it's the future. We're stupid. So we've got, what, Warden Smithers and... Uh, I didn't even write down Bill Cobb's name. His character name. I don't care because it's Bill Cobb's. That's just who he is. <laughs> um... I really enjoyed the ch how, uh, how language has changed in a relatively short amount of time. 2032 and 1996, there are so many differences, and we're never really given how those differences, those changes came to be. It's just different now. And th again, this is stuff that I'm really curious about watching this movie in 2024. But I guess that would be more of a, a social drama than an action film which is exactly what they wanted to present to us so i can let it go but there's so much story there that i would like to explore that i would love if someone even wrote a book just bridging the gap between those years to see how society changed yeah i think from a movie going perspective though they really just want to make as stark of a contrast as they possibly can makes sense and they like, do a great job at it yeah absolutely they're, the explanation for it makes little sense. Like, if an earthquake happened and destroyed most of the cities and you had to rebuild society, that, that could happen, but you're not going to forget. Like, the people who survived didn't forget the language, right? Yeah. So you just got to accept it as, okay, this is just a movie convention to show us how much different it has become. Which is fine, because the movie has already presented us with so many over-the-top things that you know they're not going to focus on minute details. And we're just along for the ride at this point, you're right. Mm -hmm. 
So the warden uses an optic scan to enter areas of the prison, and my next note says, I'm sure that won't come up again. <laughs> it won't. I, I did like how the movie predicted the self-driving car, um, but the graffiti machine and the anti-graffiti walls, I've always hated in this movie. What's the point? Both seem pointless. Yeah. The periscope makes no sense either. Well, yeah, no, how are you going to see from underground, man? Come on. But you just, it's, are they randomly placed around the city? Yeah. It does move. Okay. So <laughs> dumb. If like, if there's a, like a civilization of people living underground, what purpose would spray painting a slogan actually serve them? Exactly. Like, oh, we got our message out. Okay. People know you're there. Yeah. And it's okay. gone now. So why spray paint walls that you know will not stay spray painted for more than a few seconds. Mm. It's just for the viewer. Yes. Again, okay. to show how automated things have become. Dennis Leary is Edgar Friendly. Mm -hmm. What's your take on this guy? I love him. Me too. It's a weird intro to the character, though. Yeah, like this whole spray painting graffiti thing is just, it just diminishes what's going on. But yeah. the character of Edgar Friendly is fantastic. But at this point, we're not even sure who he is. It just, it's, it's just to show us that, yes, there are people living underground and they are starving. This, this image of Dennis Leary is pretty much just a, remember this guy for later. Exactly. Yeah, good call. Rob Schneider, of course. It's a Stallone movie. Uh, my, my note to follow that up with just says, I half expect Adam Sandler to pop up now. Rob Schneider and Stallone, there's such a weird pairing. I want to know how that connection happened because, I mean, even, yes, you mentioned Judge Dredd. Awful, awful pairing. I did not want to see them on screen together again. I, in this context, I'm fine with it because the role for Rob Schneider is so minor and it is meant to just be a goofy, comedic character who yeah. actually minimally interacts with Sylvester Stallone in this. But we don't need him is the thing, because the other characters in this movie provide enough humor that we're like, okay, it does lighten the mood a little bit, then we'll get like a crazy violent action scene. Rob Schneider's character is just an idiot. He, just, he needed a paycheck at this time, dude. Just give him a break. Fine. He's got like three scenes. Leave it. So at the station, we meet the rest of the police force, or at least the characters that really matter, like Chief Earl, who's a right prick. Uh, James McMillan, Alfredo Garcia, etc. Um, but we get a bit of insight into Huxley with her obsession uh, over 90s culture. Okay. It comes up again and again, and it's fun, but reference it once and let it go, I think. If you consider these conversations, like, within the context of how people would interact on a day-to-day -day basis, when she goes into her office and... Benjamin Bratt's character or whatever is like comes in. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, I see you've increased your collection with your office. Like, you're not talking about that every day. You've been yeah. in her office, right? But it's just such a movie conversation to just give us that exposition dump. Oh, yeah. It's for the audience purely. Uh, in private, Huxley calls Earl an asshole and we get our first instance of being fined for swearing. I actually love this. For multiple reasons, the main one being, I never really thought about this too closely in the past, but this thing goes off every time 
they're indoors or near like any sort of building in the movie and they swear. Mm -hmm. Like even in the first confrontation that Sylvester Stallone and Wesley Snipes have in the museum, yeah, when they're swearing at each other, you can hear it faintly in the background. No, and I actually good. paid it. They didn't miss a single one. There was only one swear that happens like out in the open during like I think the chase scene where you don't hear it go off. But they don't miss one. It's so good, the attention to detail. It is. I love it. It's a really fun gimmick. But Huxley is too wholesome for this scene. It does not fit her character for the rest of the movie. She is wholesome, but she's wholesome in a way that she's trying to be rebellious and sucks at it. I can see this character. I, I can see her too, but I don't actually see her swearing. I see her trying to swear and using the wrong word, kind of like she gets the, the sayings messed yeah. up. Yeah. yeah, she gets a lot of those wrong. But without her doing this, when it happens to Stallone, Everybody, everybody would be confused and just thinking like, what the hell's going on? And then that actually have to actively explain it. So it, I, it does make sense. It just feels out of place for this character for me. Mm -hmm. Back at the prison, Phoenix has been thought out for his parole hearing. Um, you know that there's no way this is going to go well. No, no, uh, let's see what happens. Well, the entire time he mocks the warden before In using foreign languages. Uh, is it foreign languages or is he mumbling? I never really stopped to listen. No, no, he's speaking like, I don't know the languages, but there's clearly, um, I think, like a Spanish and at one point some Asian languages. And okay. he's just like, he's like, I didn't even know I speak these languages. <laughs> well, it's like using the password teddy bear to unlock his bindings and straight up murder everybody. Mm, terrible password for a I, jail. It does make sense, though. <laughs> You think something a little bit more complex, though. There is one thing I did notice that I really enjoyed here that I had never noticed before when watching this movie. Okay. And that, that is when he's murdering everybody. I noticed for the first time his fighting style has evolved immensely from what we saw him do against Stallone in 96. Well, yeah, because against Stallone, he's just like bar fighting, like street exactly. fighting. And here he's using martial arts. Insanely well, too. Yeah, and if you look at it, his facial expressions are even, like, a little bit of surprise. Yeah. Well, even the admittance of him not knowing how he was aware of what the password was to get out of his bindings. Mm-hmm. And then, yes, the eye on the scalpel scene, which we all saw coming, pun intended. Mm. So the police station is alerted to multiple 187s and MDKs. Murder Death Kills, which I enjoy, I believe, has been used in a couple of video games since this. Um, the shock on everyone's faces is an amazing way to show us that the police have basically developed an inability to maintain order because there's no need for them to. The entire purpose of the police squad seems pointless at this point. Yeah, I have no idea why they're there. They don't need police in their world. Yeah. Phoenix murders a doctor and steals the car. Police are sent to apprehend him, and it's just more murder. But I have to ask you, what is this booth he enters previous to the, uh, the murder scene? Um, suicide booth. I think I saw that in Futurama. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it, it's an information terminal. It's, it's a database for everything. For anything. 
Well, he's clearly been like trained in hacking. He's usually like he's using what should just be like an information terminal, but then hacking into the the net. Yeah, but like yeah, it, it's like banking, civilian info, therapy, etc. Why? Okay, I mean like why why not put in any solid safeguard? He why have all, all of this information? He's a hacker. Just I calm know, down. but why have that in the database for anything? Like, what is this connected to that it has? all of the information in the world. It'd be like going to the, like the computer in the library and it's connected to the internet and just hacking it. It's it doesn't matter what the booth's purpose is. It's just connected to the grid. It's just, it needed to, yes. the guy who was there before he showed up was uh, like having a therapy session. I know. It's just it's a little bit too ridiculous for me. But yes, anyway, you are correct. Simon brings up data on Edgar Friendly and has a weird moment of hearing voices about his goal to take him out. So he looks up guns. <laughs> Question for you. Yeah. The police show up and they all get into a, a scuffle. How does Phoenix have superhuman, superhuman strength? Uh, while he was under, they were also increasing the fibers in his muscle mass to make him stronger. Yeah. Yeah, that's obviously it. That's all I got. <laughs> he pulls a cop out of a car and throws him 20 feet with one hand. Yeah. That makes no sense. I don't see what the problem is here. Well, the problem is, if you want to do that, fine. Run with it. Explain it. Because later in the museum, he, he struggles with two hands to whip that one security guy through the glass. In all actuality, he shouldn't have any muscle mass. Like, <laughs> yeah, he should just be an atrophied ball of skin on the floor. I remember taking my arm out of a cast after two months, and I couldn't lift anything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let alone how many years? Yeah. So, Dr. Raymond Cocteau, man responsible for the city being the way it is, everyone believes him to be a savior of sorts, but... Obviously, we, we all know there's something else going on here. So Chief Earl tells him about Phoenix, and Cocteau tells the chief to do everything in his power to ensnare him. Bill Cobb chimes in, tells Huxley that the only person who can stop Phoenix is John Spartan. Why does Chief Earl want none of this? Because he doesn't want to let a primate out into the world. Yeah, yeah they, they have no means to stop Phoenix, but yeah, that's... That's one way they can do it. And he was told to do whatever he could, and he denies it. This chief is terrible. Like, later on, his plan is to just wait for more victims. I know. To track it down. <laughs> it's just a clear example of someone who has never been in these situations not knowing what to do. Yeah. We do get a comedic cut to thawing out Spartan and reinstating him to active duty. Always love movies where a character has to adjust to living in a different time period. I don't know why, but it, I always find it entertaining. And we get a lot of info here, too. Uh, he has to accept the fact that his wife has died in the, uh, the earthquake, the big one. Yeah, that's brutal. And they, he, his daughter is brought up repeatedly throughout the film, but it's never fully addressed. Um, she's addressed in my opinion, enough. I think she's referenced enough, but I feel like it's pointless because there, there's, no, there's no way that, that that story element has been tied up whatsoever. No, but I think it's enough to just show 
what this imprisonment did to him because later on he does tell Lenina, terrible name, um, that like he doesn't want to look up his daughter because she won't know him. He yeah. won't know her. He was frozen when she was a child. But always bring up things like, what would she think of me? Like, yeah, we don't need that kind of character development in this type of movie unless you're going to follow through with it. That's and fine. I don't think they do. That's fine. So he's informed he has to catch Phoenix again. And we learn about the murder of Los Angeles, Santa Barbara, and San Diego into San Angeles. Uh, I do like uh, Spartan demanding a Marlboro from Garcia. And nobody, he's like, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, what's a Marlboro? Nobody knows what he's talking about. And then we get a little breakdown of what's been outlawed now. Everything that's bad for you. Exactly. So I have a, a brief list of smoking, alcohol, caffeine, meat, swearing, chocolate, gasoline, uneducational toys, uh, anything spicy, abortion, pregnancy, unless you have a license. And then we get to what I think everybody who has seen this movie remembers. John Spartan not understanding why there are three seashells in the bathroom. Well, we did have him getting the swearing thing first. Yes. But we've already been exposed to the swearing thing. That's why I didn't bring it up. Okay. Because he doesn't do the swearing thing until later on. No, but he does learn it because when she's telling him what was outlawed, that's when he's first confronted with it because his reaction to it is to swear. Yeah. And she's just like, yeah, that's, that's also not okay. Um, this is where we get the reunion between Spartan and Bill Cobbs, uh, which I, I'm pretty sure you love. I know I loved it, but it's his one tie to the past. It just needs one of those like Arnold Carl Weather like handshakes from Brenner. <laughs> this is, uh, does, okay, what was it? Who asks Lenina? Was it Garcia or Schneider? Um, but she says swearing is how insecure heterosexual males used to bond which I had a pretty decent chuckle over. And this is where Spartan swears up a storm and uses his paper citations in the bathroom. Yes. Uh, I do want to touch on the Chief Earl character a bit, because I mentioned him before, and you brought up some pretty interesting things. He is an interesting character, because he's abiding by modern statutes, but I say he really wants to be an alpha male so badly and doesn't know how. Well, because in their previous society, we'll call it, prior to this thawing, he could be an alpha. Society was built in a way that you didn't need to be an alpha with any sort of actual, like, physical presence or detective skills. You just literally had to be the top of the chain for following, you know, order and procedures. Exactly. And as soon as these characters show up, that threatens it for them, because now... There is a different type of alpha male, the more stereotypical, powerful one that threatens his position. Yes, I agree with that completely. What I'm curious about is Chief Earl is not young by any means. So I'm curious to know what he would have been like in 96. Well, but he's also not as old. So he might have been like a child, a preteen. Yeah, he was definitely, he was alive, but yeah, he was probably young. He could have been a teenager, we don't know. Bald head, he, he looks old, but no one really knows. But he just demeans Spartan by calling him things like caveman, meat eater, Neanderthal, primate, and is so aggressive in doing so, but he has no real reason 
to take that stance. No, especially considering that if things go sideways, he doesn't know what to do. Yeah. If I'm in his position, I'm not pissing off this caveman because he could kill me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what don't, are you gonna, get, it, don't what are, get in his face. What are you going to do? Say that the law is going to protect you? Clearly it's not. <laughs> Nobody can protect anybody in this world. Yes. So I'm not stepping on his toes. And then he thinks that Phoenix is going to start up a new crime syndicate based off of what? Uh, they printed it in like a simulation computer. Like the computer calculated all probabilities and this is what he's going to do. <laughs> it's so dumb. Yeah, well, it makes sense. They don't know what to do. And even Spartan, though, straight up just says he's, he's going to be looking for a gun. That's all he's going to do. Yeah. And yeah, cut to the museum, the only place where Phoenix could find a gun. Multiple guns. I think an armory in that, in that museum is a horrible idea. I think that an armory is a fine idea. I think stocking them with ammunition is a problem. <laughs> See, I have a note on that too. I have no idea why all of these guns would be loaded. <laughs> like, if you weren't going to put that in the museum, because in this society, people don't use guns and it is a part of history, I could see either real guns from the past, but that don't have ammunition being on, on display, or replicas. Can you imagine what went through Simon Phoenix's mind when he saw the words Hall of Guns <laughs> above the hallway? Well, he probably got like a half joke. Oh, definitely. So we cut to um, Huxley Garcia and, uh, and Spartan outside getting into a car. Spartan says he'll drive, gets into the seat, doesn't know what's going on with all the controls, gets out and lets Huxley take over. And they put on the radio, put on an oldie station for him, which is just old advertisements, which confuses me because what? Okay. What happened to music? Not allowed to experience emotion? That's not the case. We know that for sure. Well, a lot of the best music is talking about sex and drugs and rock and roll, and they can't have that. So we get Armor Hot Dogs ads. Uh, also, radio exists in the future. That's interesting predict the cars but not the way we listen to music but i guess the internet wasn't really massive at this point although bullock had been in the net i think two years previously have you seen that movie i saw it when it was new and i couldn't tell you the first thing about it oh my god please revisit it it is so ridiculous their their view on what the internet would become is absolutely amazing I'm, I'm sorry. I already saw Hackers. I don't need any more <laughs> oh, exposure. To oh, my God. It is so much worse than <laughs> Hackers. From what I remember, at one point, she decides to order pizza online, so she just goes to pizza.com. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, the fight at they the museum. They couldn't get a sponsor? <laughs> this is a perfect spot for product placement. Yeah, but there's also no way of ordering food online in 1994. No way. Yeah, but you easily could have stuck like a Pizza Hut logo on there or something. You know they would have paid for that. What do you think this is, Cobra? Or Demolition Man outside of North America? Cobra was even older, so yeah, product yeah. placement was already a thing. I was aware of that, but I was thinking more so like Pizza Hut being like, yeah, you could use us, but please, please don't tell people you can order pizza through us online. <laughs> 
because <laughs> we have no way of doing that. You know what? I, I I haven't seen the movie. Maybe when the pizza arrives, it has a Pizza Hut box or something. Yeah, that's true. It could. I don't know. I don't even know if the pizza arrives. <laughs> Sandra, what seems to be your boggle? Um. Uh. Shut up. <laughs> the whole museum scene I find strange. Why? I don't know. It's just it is a giant set piece. I know we need it. It just seems so ridiculous. Like even the um, the preserved underground Los Angeles street scene. It's I get why it's there, but for me it's just too much. Like even that weird magnetic accelerator gun. I get it. It's a cool design. We're in the future. We even get a Rambo reference. Yeah. I do love how, again, the underground scene, much like the guns in the museum, makes sense to me. But, like, why do you actually have a properly functioning, like, fire hydrant that, <laughs> when it yeah. gets destroyed, shoots out water? It's like, this should just be a display. Why is it functioning if it's under glass? Yeah, I mean, preserved, sure. It's, it's going to lead to problems. Like, just think about water. There's no way those pipes are still functional. Yeah, but who cares? It's fun. Exactly. And that's what I have to accept. Um, so Phoenix escapes and encounters Cocteau. And here we learn that Phoenix has been mm, maybe programmed by him to take out Friendly. Just very strange. I don't know why. Like, the whole crux of this movie doesn't make sense. No. No. So Phoenix flees and the police encounter Cocteau, who offer to who offers, sorry, to take Spartan out to a fancy dinner at Taco Bell. And this is where we get Huxley messing up phrases. Like you really matched his meat and licked his ass. <laughs> and the look uh, the look on Stallone's face isn't embarrassment. It's mild to medium confusion. I think that's my favorite one, though. You really <laughs> licked his ass. <laughs> Kicked. Kicked his ass. <laughs> Met his match. All right, Cocteau questions Earl who Spartan is, and Earl says that he was told to do whatever he could to stop Phoenix, and then Cocteau, you can see in his face, he realizes how much he's fucked up. Yeah, maybe he shouldn't have said that. But why? Because he hasn't seen anything Spartan can do yet. No. He just he saw is... a guy chase him off. Exactly. So we go back to the police station where we find out that Cocteau created the cryo prison. And <sighs> how old would he have been when he created this cryo prison? I don't know. Not very old. But this goes back to the problem I had before that you told me I had to ignore. It's interesting lore, but now we're acknowledging it without following through. So why is this necessary? Because well, he would have been like 20 when he created this. Prison. Exactly. <laughs> Just say his dad created, his family created. Yes, perfect. It's a, it's a decent way of showing how he he led society in a certain direction by creating the prison, but that could have been passed down to him by, by what his parents had done. And what, but who cares? It's fun. Let's stop reading into it. Who is this guy? <laughs> what does he do? What does he do? Apparently, after this giant earthquake that destroyed everything, he pretty much just said to all the people around. Follow me and do things my way. And everybody was like, yeah, I guess we could yeah, have right. a better idea. Might as well. I guess, yeah. Well, we'll just follow this. It's, it's, it's a cult. It's, it, it, he's, he's a cult leader. 
That's what's going on here. But it doesn't make sense because the entire city, except for the scraps living underground, have decided to follow him. Yeah. And the the weird thing is, it's working. (laughs) I'm glad you're finally getting it. But it's so frustrating. (laughs) We get a nod to the Schwarzenegger Presidential Library, which I thought was hilarious. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Spartan wants nothing to do with that. It was such a fun dig. I love how these two will take jabs at each other throughout all their movies. Because we saw previously in Last Action Hero how uh, in the movie world, Stallone played the Terminator in T2. And Jack, uh, what, what was Stallone's name in that movie? I don't remember. Something. Anyway, it was like, yeah, it was, it was amazing in that movie. Like, this is great. Now having Schwarzenegger, the president in uh, Demolition Man, phenomenal. But Simon finds an entrance to the underground, which I find really strange because they seem to be peppered throughout the city, not really hidden. But if you know there are people living underground that do above ground raids and cause chaos, maybe lock them up a bit more securely? No. No. No, people don't know where these entrances are. If they find them pretty easily, everyone does. But Spartan because he was programmed to know where they are. Yeah, but Spartan wasn't. He finds one without police assistance. Yeah, but he's a detective. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Go with that. Spartan learns that Taco Bell is the only restaurant to survive the franchise wars, and now all restaurants are Taco Bell. I like it. I mean, it would never happen. Even... even in today's day and age, they come up with sub-brands so that they would oh, yeah. corner the market, but sure. Outside of North America, all uh, releases of this film, uh, it wasn't Taco Bell, it was Pizza Hut that won the franchise wars. No, and they're one now. They even dub over everything. I'm pretty sure, aren't they owned by the same thing? I, th- I believe so. Yeah, so... I don't know why they did that, though, unless Taco Bell just wasn't really well-known. Worldwide in the early 90s? I know it wasn't here anyway. I think this is another one of those just jokes where Taco Bell was widely kind of criticized for being like the lowest quality of yeah. fast food you could get, bad the meat. underdog. Yeah, and well, not just the underdog, like low quality food. Still is, but we love it. And now we go to the future where all of the food, including this fine dining restaurant where you get dressed and get served, is Taco Bell. Should be Chuck E. Cheese. I'm just saying, they're just trying to take that brand of, oh, hey, look, it's a garbage restaurant, but now it's everything. Yeah. But it's also weird outside of North America to pick Pizza Hut because that was highly favored at the time and long before then, too, as a lot of people's favorite pizza place in the world, really, wherever it was. So, yes, I agree with your reasoning as to why they picked Taco Bell for this movie, but picking Pizza Hut outside of North America for a release deflates your argument altogether. So I'm just kind of curious to know what's going on there. Obviously, we'll never find out. Probably worldwide, they just wanted more name brand. Where yeah, makes in, sense. In North America, they were fine with just playing up the joke. Plus, Pizza Hut probably gave them more money than anybody else was willing to. Probably. One of the craziest parts here... Is Spartan revealing that he was conscious for the entire time he was in cryostasis, which you mentioned before. And yeah, that's insanity. And I I missed that every time I watched this movie when I was a kid. Yeah. 
So while our cast enjoys their meal at Taco Bell, the scraps uh, break the surface and raid food trucks. And I found it really weird that Spartan immediately jumps up and intervenes, then runs away. <laughs> like, what are you like, no one's going to back you up. Of course not. So what do you think is going to happen? But he discovers they were just looking for food and is informed that there are people who went underground because they chose not to adopt the morals being imposed on society by Cocteau. We get a little bit of that, but it's fully explained later by Friendly when the two uh, encounter each other. Mm -hmm. But Spartan is so quick to react, he doesn't even know what they're doing. I mean, they're not really attacking anyone. They're going for foodstuffs. Like, they're yes. opening vans and stealing food. And he's like, for some reason, not on my watch. But he's also then like, yeah, it doesn't matter if it's a crime if they're just trying to steal food. Yeah. Afterwards on a drive, we get banter between Spartan and Huxley, where, again, they talk about his daughter, talk about his morals, and then Huxley gives him a disc he inquired about. Yes. What then, could the disc be? Oh, yeah. Honestly, I originally thought it had, like, details about where his daughter was. Because I didn't remember certain parts of this movie. Mm-hmm. The encounter between Cocteau and Phoenix is the full reveal that Cocteau provided Phoenix the means to take out Friendly. And Phoenix demands backup. So, at that point, Chief Earl's almost right? Instead of a crime syndicate, he just wants all of his thugs thought out. Thoughts? I feel like Cocteau should have come up with a better plan of getting rid of Friendly. Yeah. Yeah, you know what you do? You thaw out a sniper. <laughs> Not someone who's going to murder everybody they encounter. Yep. Spartan's shown his lodgings for the time being. Uh, do you want to describe the look of this fucking place? No. It's like the 90s threw up all over it. No, that's her place, isn't it? I think she tailored it to what he knew. Oh, I thought that was her place, and then later he goes to watch oh, the video right. in his place, and his place yeah. just looks like a normal... That's right, because she got him a spot down the hall from hers. Yeah. Her apartment just matches her like office at work, where she's insanely obsessed with... Oh. Her work office is a mild take on what her, her apartment is. Yeah. Uh, she awkwardly describes her feelings for Spartan after the day and asks if he would like to have sex. Uh, he's 100% down, of course. And yeah, I got a real problem with her here. What's that? She should know that he has no idea what that means. Mm -hmm. It's not new to her that he is unaware of the world around him. He doesn't know what the three seashells are. He doesn't know that Taco Bell is the restaurant. She is aware of the way that sex was done in the past, and yet just assumes that when she asks him, he's going to know that it is this version with the headsets. Yeah. She should know. She should. But she doesn't, because we need these characters to grow in the movie. Situational. The whole thing is very jarring, though. Not just that description, but his reaction, too, of, like, he's trying to go along with it, but it's just so bizarre for him. Because, like, it's, he's wearing a headset that's transmit, like, transmitting thoughts into his brain that she's having, not he's having. Um, is it always supposed to be this strobing effect? I hope, I I hope not. <laughs> 
people trying to have sex in the future having like seizures. Seizures for sure. <laughs> what is this? I do like, like, here we even get some backstory as to why that's a thing, though, because rampant STDs led Cocteau to outlawing all physical sexual contact. And like, yeah, this cult leader guy is a fucking monster. But again, we're, we're being given bits and pieces instead of full chunks of information that I think would allow us to enjoy this movie. I would like backstory. I would watch like a four hour version of this film if they would fill us in as to why things are the way they are, as opposed to just saying, well, this is because it is, but we'll give you some explanation as to why this is the way it is, even though it has nothing to do with the story whatsoever. It's fine, dude. I know. Spartan explores the apartment, mocks the bathroom and his attire by saying happy Halloween when he catches his reflection in the mirror. Then that uh, video call from a naked woman calling that's the That's got to be outlawed. There's no way that that's legal. No. No. No way. But we can't get into why, because that would include backstory. No, they just wanted some cheap boobs in the movie. Oh, definitely. Spartan plays the disc Huxley gave him, showing the security footage of Phoenix and Cocteau outside of the museum. And that all makes sense. The next day, Spartan apologizes to Huxley, presenting her with a sweater he knitted the night before. I found this pretty funny. Odd part yeah. of his rehabilitation program is now that he, they decided he would be uh, uh, a seamstress. A seamstress, but like best used as a seamstress. But the part that I find interesting is that somebody has to know this. Yes. Because in his apartment was delivered a box of effects as well as the yarn and stuff. Yes. So someone other than the person who programmed the backgrounds should be aware of it. And yet no one was aware of what Wesley Snipes was programmed with except for Cocteau, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's something to get hung up on for sure. No, I'm cool with it. Oh, yeah. You have to be, right? This, this well, I, just, I can't say nothing during the episode. I guess say something, but I'm okay with it. Okay, well, talk, talk to me about this. This time, Spartan says he's going to drive because he has to learn sometime. And there is no learning curve. He just knows how the car works perfectly. Yep. How? I don't know, but I feel like something like how to drive current cars should just be like a blanket thing in the rehabilitation process. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, man. So they managed to access Phoenix's rehab program, learning that he was trained in everything violent. I love how Nina tries to access it and it's like access denied. And then she hits like two more keys and it's like, here you go. Access granted. <laughs> Teddy bear. How did she get in? How did she get in? Well, she's a hacker, apparently. Because we have to accept that to be fact. Well, she learned it when she was doing the net. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Wait, I've got this. Pizza.com. <laughs> Access granted. Spartan accuses Cocteau uh, remotely by screen, uh, only to get the reveal that Cocteau is simply hiding around the corner. It's the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> it's, it is. It exactly is. And it's so dumb. So dumb. Spartan heads into the underground with backup from Huxley and Garcia. And then we get another one of let's blow this guy. Why is Garcia here? I don't know. Like up until now, he's really done nothing. Like he does get more screen time than say Rob Schneider. Yeah. But he doesn't do anything with that screen time. He's such a punching bag for Spartan. 
Yeah. It's like he's got his little handheld scanny thing. <laughs> and Spartan just grabs it. He's like, hey, Luke Skywalker. And he just chucks it off the side. He <laughs> used the force. <laughs> and the look on Garcia's face is pure confusion because he has no idea what's going on. Well, it's None. just like, I, I guess I have to. It's not like, I can't argue with this guy. <laughs> so the underground, Sandro. Uh-huh, yeah. It looks like a set from Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, man. One of my favorite things about this movie uh-huh. is Spartan being so ecstatic when he gets to have a burger and a beer. Yes, because those things were outlawed as bad for you. Exactly. But it, it, there, there's a great moment here where they're like, what do you think that is? What do you mean? You don't see any cows around. <laughs> <laughs> so he asks and finds out it's a rat burger. And he's cool with it. Yeah, he, it, it throws him off for like a second. And then he just like looks at the burger and shrugs. And he's like, yeah, all right. This is the best, <laughs> this is the best rat burger I've ever had. <laughs> It's great. Again, one of my favorite moments. And it actually makes me like the John Spartan character because this guy, for the most part, is a complete asshole. Yeah. We really don't have any reason to side with him or to like him. And then you get little moments like this where you're like, okay, I think I could be on board. Well, but put yourself a, in his shoes. Yeah, but just a second ago, we saw him be a complete dick to Garcia for no reason. Yeah, but None. why would he be a nice guy? This guy was in prison for a crime he didn't commit, frozen for decades while his, like, family died. But he doesn't know he didn't commit that murder. And then thought out just to, like, just to save their butts. Like, why should he be nice? He's just, he is a victim in this. Okay, I would say, first and foremost, thank you for bringing me back. Thank you, if I was awake this entire time, frozen. Thank you for allowing me the opportunity to move around and not further my descent into madness. Um, you don't have to be so mean to everybody. It's just, it's weird. It's really weird character writing. No, I'm fine with it. He doesn't have I a know reason to be nice. He just has a reason to conduct the functions that they require of him. Yes, but we also don't have to like him. So giving us moments like this, fine. If that's what you want us to feel, that, that's great. But give us a few more of those moments for it to make sense. I love him being a dick, so I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's great. Then avoid this moment. But the, the place is insanely overpopulated. Huxley is shocked by the fact that the people there aren't hostile. And just the, the commentary this movie hurls at us is ridiculous. It seems very pointed at times and way too vague at others, but it wants us to acknowledge certain things without being overly direct. And our heroes are confronted by Edgar Friendly, where he and Spartan bond over their hate of Cocteau. And I have to, I have to think you'll agree with me here. The rant that Friendly gives is the exact reason why Dennis Leary was cast in this role. It's perfect. It is it feels like Dennis Leary wrote it himself or came up with it on the spot. Yeah, I don't remember the exact details of it, but I love where like the exclamation on it is where it's like, and why? Just because I felt like it that day. It's so good. Yeah, he's great. He's really, really good in this movie. Uh, but he's informed by Spartan that Phoenix is being used to assassinate him. And this leads us into meeting Phoenix's new crew, including Jesse Ventura. 
And Phoenix instructs everyone to create chaos, and I'm 100% down for this, because we, uh, we need this at this point in the movie. I'm very curious why Edgar Friendly is still alive. Yeah. Because Wesley Snipes was sent there with this subliminal message to kill him, and it's been days since he went down there, and he hasn't done it. Yeah. It, it doesn't make sense. But as you said, there are things in this movie we just have to accept and not question. Yeah. And I also said, I gotta say something. <laughs> am, I, am I talking too much? No, I'm just saying, like, it wouldn't be much of a review if I just kept saying, yeah, I like it. <laughs> no, I gotta bring something up, even if it's nitpicks. Do you find it weird that he's like, we have to create chaos, and immediately they're standing in front of Spartan and Friendly? No. Because they just, they find everyone in the underground immediately and just open fire. No, it's not a big space. Yeah. The action scene here is amazing. All of the action scenes really are, are, are wonderfully intense in this movie. But one of my favorite parts of this scene is when Phoenix absolutely destroys Garcia and then runs above ground. Yep. It's like elbow, back fist, throw him through a table, run away. So Spartan and Huxley on his tail, of course. I don't like the car chase that we get after this. Well, I don't like how it starts. I do like the car chase. Were you okay with them going back to the old Oldsmobile, the classic car they found underground, and how it's on an elevator that bursts through the floor of an Oldsmobile, Oldsmobile dealership to get into the car chase because Phoenix gets into Huxley's police car as soon as he gets to the top level? Yep. You don't like it? No, I love it. It's great. Why? Why not? Okay, I guess you were in the right mind here. It's too much, man. You gotta give Stallone some tools from the past that he can actually function with on an elite level. I get that. But there is no way that car is going to burst through, like, concrete, through the floor of a dealership and not suffer any structural damage whatsoever. Everything is perfect. That would have collapsed the roof of that car immediately. No, there was like a gate that opened. Calm down. Okay. <laughs> uh, Auto-inflating tire? That makes fun. sense. Yeah. Huxley's inability to drive a classic car? Oh, roll reversal right there. Exactly. I'm okay with that. Ridiculous gunplay? Sure. Why not? It's an early 90s action film. They can't not have any action. Spartan jumping onto the roof of Phoenix's car. Fine. I guess. Makes sense. Yeah. But here we get one of my favorite reveals. And that is back in 96, the reason the hostages didn't show up on the heat signature is because Phoenix already killed them. Yep. That's so good. Just want to see the world burn? It makes him even that much more of a villain. He's insane. He's absolutely insane. It is amazing. I don't think I've seen such an entertaining action villain on screen. He's I, up there. He's, it's criminally underrated. It really is. A lot of people sleep on this one, man. So Spartan throws Phoenix from the car, climbs inside, and crashes. And then we get futuristic airbags, which is just protective foam that fills the car. I also love that a lot. I love that they move the fight to this car so that the self-driving car could come back into play when they're fighting over the edge of it. Yeah. It's, it's brilliant. It almost feels like it's out of a video game. 
That's just good planning. The scraps arrive, ready to take the fight to Phoenix and crew. And uh, we get a wonderful moment with Phoenix here. While he's at Cocteau's resident, residence, sorry, the, the doctor is marveling at, in his plan to have Phoenix cause such chaos so that he can finally finish his vision of molding the perfect society. Is it not already finished? You already have your society. Exactly. He just wants to get rid of the scraps. But Phoenix, his reaction is, you can't take away people's right to be assholes. And immediately has his gang murder Cocteau and throw his body in the fireplace. It's brilliant. It really is. It really is brilliant because it's like Cocteau is so sure of himself. He's like, haha, I got a mental block that you can't kill me. And Wesley Snipes is like, here's a simple solution. You kill him. <laughs> you gave him other people that don't have that directive. Exactly. Done and done. Yeah. I loved it. I thought it was absolutely amazing. So we get the fight between the goons and Spartan and Huxley. How does Huxley know how to fight? Jackie Chan movies. It's so stupid. <laughs> so stupid. Fine. Whatever. Because it seems like movies don't exist in this world. They clearly do. The Arnold Schwarzenegger Presidential Library. And I guess she does have a poster for Lethal Weapon 3 in her office. Yeah. But like clearly movies exist, man. Or existed is the thing. I don't know if they'd actually be present in this because look at how many like action movies in particular, how much sex and violence is in them. There's no way those would be legal. Calm down. She's a police officer. Doesn't matter. That's she why she became she a police officer. Swearing. She, she became a police officer to have access to these things as oh evidence. Oh my god. Yeah, okay. You're, you're struggling now. <laughs> But she kills a man with a gun and then freaks out because that man died by her hands. And Stallone just says it was him or us. <laughs> and her reaction is, well, there is that. Yeah, she's totally fine with it. Phoenix has set a remote timer to thaw out 80 convicts at the cryo prison. How? I don't know. A remote timer? I don't know. Uh-huh. I, I don't. Spartan knocks out Huxley so she doesn't get hurt. Honestly, probably could use the help. She's not going to be that much help. I don't know how much. I don't know how extensive these Jackie Chan movies were in these scenarios. Pretty fucking good if you look at the previous fight. Ah, it's just one fight. She got a lucky shot, man. Okay, no, there was multiple lucky shots. Also, she has a gun. Uh huh. She has the upper hand right there. Uh... We get a weird Dahmer reference though, which is interesting. Now Dahmer's become a a pop culture reference again recently. And Spartan arrives at the prison and we get the mandatory shootout with Phoenix. Does anything here stand out to you? No. Um, and I don't want this to sound as negative as it might come off, but this is kind of like the cookie cutter, like third act that is taking mm -hmm. place right now, because at the end of the day, Regardless of the setup or the environment, you are still just watching an action movie, and you do need to have these things. Otherwise, it's not an action movie. But it, it's supposed to feel larger than life, but it, it crossed the line of being ridiculous to me. I did like him getting crushed in those vice grip things, though. That was pretty intense. But that weird lightning gun nonsense I thought was way too much. Um... The hand-to-hand -hand combat, though, I thought absolutely fantastic. 
what really killed the scene for me is Simon Phoenix's demise. It felt way too fast. Did you feel it? the character deserved a better send-off than this? No. Really? Being frozen and decapitated? Unless you're going to keep him alive for a potential sequel, I don't think that the speed at which he is finished off really matters here. It's like, what would the other option have been? Just a bullet? Like, I'm fine with it. I guess, yeah. I really don't have an idea of what a better ending would be. It just seemed... They built up this villain so well that you wanted to see it be a crazy over-the-top death, and it just felt way too rushed and way too anticlimactic for me. I Honestly, I would like to see a sequel, though. A sequel would have been fun if they kept him alive. Yeah, and you could have kept him alive by the way that he defeats him is by having Stallone refreeze him. Um, because you're fighting in the prison, you have all of the elements for the freezing, you could have put him back on ice, and now yep. you've opened it up yep. for a sequel. So outside the prison, we have a meeting between Spartan, Chief Earl, and Friendly. Uh, Earl has no idea how society will function without the prison. Why? I don't know. Yeah. Friendly suggests they all go get shit-faced and paint the town, literally. So that was pretty funny. He really likes that graffiti, man. He really does. It's pointless, though. Yeah. You like what you like. Huxley's back on the scene. Spartan kisses her. She kisses him. And the movie ends on Spartan asking how the three seashells work. And we roll credit. Ah, callback joke. So dumb. Ah. I mean, I like the reference. I did find the three seashells pretty funny, but I'm kind of done with it at this point. Ah, calm down. So let's, uh, I don't know. You want to talk numbers? Yeah, man. What do you think the budget was for this? Because the, uh, the numbers I found are all over the place. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, 30? I found 45 to 77 million. Oh, that's quite the range. Right? Yeah. $32 million difference. What about gross, though? How much did this make? Was it successful? 110. 159.1. Ah. So, yeah. No, it did, it did really, really well. I was shocked at the, uh, the ratings this got, though. Like, IMDb, uh, the tomato meter, and the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes are all pretty close together. And I feel like while they are pretty good, I expected them to be better. So okay. where, do you, where do you think they're sitting for IMDb? 6.4. 6.7. Okay. The tomato meter? 6.7. 6 point, or 63%, so yeah, 6.3. And the audience score? Uh, 71. 67. Ah. So yeah, IMDb and the audience score the exact same. Uh, the critics' amount of positive reviews, four points below that. Um, favorable, but not as favorable as I would have expected. Uh, what's, what's your take? Do you feel like this movie should have been reviewed better, or are you cool with it? I think it should be reviewed better. Yeah, same. So I guess now we just get into uh, awards, eh? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so you have the award submitted by Andy? Yes, I do. Um, no, no reasoning, though, for, uh, for any of them except for favorite scene. 
Okay. But least favorite character, Andy put Alfonso Garcia. Least favorite. That's interesting. Hmm. I mean, I don't think he really did enough to... I thought he was fun. I really enjoyed him being there. But yeah, I get that. It's a, he, he really didn't do anything. Yeah, like I don't, I don't see the, I don't see how you could really like or dislike him. He's kind of just there. Yeah, and that honestly, I could see that being a problem for some people. So, well, yeah, we'll go with that. Okay. Uh, who did you have for your least favorite character? Oh, Chief Earl, played by Bob Gunton. But I, that's just because that's what the character's supposed to be, and I thought he did it incredibly well. But he did it well enough that I really did hate him. You. I went with um, Nigel Hawthorne as Dr. Raymond Cato. Cocteau. Cocteau? Really? Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's a great pick. I hate how confident he is in his smarminess. Smarminess. Yeah. And that made it just like, I just loved when he got his comeuppance because I was like, I hate you more than Phoenix. Yeah. Phoenix at least knows what he is and embraces it. I, I just, yeah, this guy was just detestable. It's a great pick, man. And, and like that, the, the, just the cockiness of what he thinks he's so smart. <laughs> what uh, was the best character? Uh, favorite character for Andy? Associate Bob. What? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just telling you what was written. Okay, okay. Um, so for me, it's hands down. Wesley Snipes as Simon Phoenix. Um, this is one of the most underrated villain roles in action movies. Uh, he yeah. nails it. There is so much charisma, but also just fun that he's having with this role, and it is mm -hmm. so well done. Yeah. Um, I am right there with you. Favorite character, Simon Phoenix, played by Wesley Snipes. I love everything about this character. Uh, like I said before, the charisma is there, but even like the the character design, the costuming, giving Wesley Snipes two different colored eyes really, really works with his character. He's crazy over the top. He is the Joker in a Sylvester Stallone film, and he is fantastic. He steals every scene he's in. And at some points, you can't help but root for him, even though you don't want to. I love that you grasped onto my comment of him being like his version of the Joker. Exactly. This leads me to believe that we flipped Andy's answers for least favorite and favorite. Because I could see Associate Bob being the least favorite, and I could see him really liking Alfonso Garcia. So we'll, we'll let that sit there for a bit, but I think that's what happened. Okay. What about the favorite or most memorable line? Uh, Andy's pick is really good. It's uh, Rob Schneider saying, we're police officers. We're not trained to handle this. Pretty good. Pretty good. That, I almost picked that. But there were two other lines that I had trouble picking. Okay. So I will tell you what I went with, but I am going to tell you the runner-up because I think you would really enjoy it too. Okay. So I went with Edgar Friendly saying, I'm no leader. I do what I have to do. Sometimes people come with me. That's a good line. It's a great line. And having Dennis Leary deliver it the way he does makes me feel like he's not just a stand-up comedian. He is a legit actor. Yeah, and it's awesome to see because 
he is uh, for some reason dr cocteau's foil and it's just such a stark contrast where dr cocteau is doing everything he can to keep this power and to have people following him exactly and then the opposite leader of the scraps is like i don't want to be a leader i'm just doing what i have to do and people are following it because they like it yeah i think it's one of the most powerful lines of the movie but i almost picked what i found to be one of the most humorous lines of the movie and that's coming from simon phoenix uh discovering spartan and friendly together in the underground where he says i must have done something right in a previous life can't imagine what that could have been <laughs> he's such an evil character <laughs> through and through this guy does not have like any redeeming good qualities he's no. just he is just evil personified yeah exactly it's great so much fun what did you have um i actually also had we're police officers we're not trying trained to handle this kind of violence yeah oh, yeah it's it's a great line i mean the three of us almost picked the exact same one well it's because it it happens so early in the movie when like sly is being introduced to this new world and it pretty much epitomizes the idea of this movie is that everything that we think we know about the current society is flipped upside down and police officers are not police officers in this world. And as no. we go on, we see Taco Bell is not Taco Bell. Like, nothing is as we expected. And this line is meant to be played up for humor, but it is so very telling for what the movie is going to end up becoming. Agreed. Okay, and then favorite or most memorable scene? Uh, memorable scene, Andy has, uh, when John Spartan starts cursing at the machine, it gives you tickets for swearing which becomes toilet paper because he doesn't know how to use the three seashells. Um, I think most people would pick that. What did you go with? Uh, I went with the rat burger scene. That's a good one. It's a very good it. one. And like, even just the fact that he so blatantly just takes the watch off of her wrist to pay for it yeah. is fantastic. And like, he just doesn't care. He's like, I'm so hard up for a burger. I don't care. It's a rapper. Great. I love it. <laughs> I had you? to go with the scene that no one else would ever pick. Okay. And it's not favorite by any means. It's memorable. Okay. It's the car accident with the safety foam. Yeah, I'm not sure who would ever pick that. It's memorable because I think that would be so incredibly traumatic for me to deal with because of claustrophobia. Dealing with him being put in that little jar and then drowned with that fluid to be frozen, only to find himself foamed into a car sitting in a, a, a fountain, like fighting your way out of being confined that much. When I was a kid and saw it for the first time, it scared the shit out of me. And even today, it does the exact same thing. One of these confinements ruined his life. One of them saved it. Yep. Still, my most memorable scene. All right, so that brings us to our final thoughts on Demolition Man. What do you got? Love it. I can't look into it too much. You can't look for details, like you said. I would love to see an extended version of this movie just giving me some of that backstory. But for a movie that's pretty much two hours long, it does not feel like a two-hour movie. It's insanely fun action. The acting is fantastic. Uh, the story itself is wonderful. 
um, Wesley Snipes. This is probably my favorite movie I've ever seen him in. And I don't think anybody could have played that role better. Stallone did a great job. Uh, again, I don't want to see anyone else cast in that role. Sandra Bullock did a great job. Even Rob Schneider, like we talked about, for the few scenes he's in, it's great. The movie is so much fun for a late 90 or a late 93, early 94 release. Um, I think for any action fan, this is mandatory viewing. And for any non-action fan, the amount of humor in this movie, while limited, is so perfectly done that I guarantee everybody who watches this will laugh at least a handful of times. It's a wonderful movie, and I, I'm glad that Andy picked this. Thank you, Andy. Um, this is going to go back into my regular rotation. It's been a while, but I'm probably going to end up watching this at least once a year from now on. Sandra, what do you think? I love it. This is one of my all-time favorite movies, regardless of genre, and mm -hmm. it will stay that way. I know that there's been a number of movies where we've gone back and we've talked about how nitpicking it really didn't do it a disservice. And despite the fact that watching this with a critical eye, which I don't often do, um, really did reveal a lot of nitpicks. I couldn't have cared less. And it's one of the one of the rare instances where I was like, I'm good with taking every nitpick with a grain of salt because this movie is just too much fun. Mm -hmm. I think that part of that is just how good Wesley Snipes is. I don't think that in any way, shape, or form does he get enough credit for this particular role. Um, just in the upper echelon of like action movie villains. Mm -hmm. I could watch this anytime, and I think any anybody who's a fan of action movies could watch this at any time. And if they haven't, they should. Yeah. Uh, you summed it up perfectly, man. All right. So that's our thoughts on Demolition Man. If you'd like to share your thoughts, you can hit us up on social media. We are on Twitter. I'm still calling it that. Um, at BS Bargain Bin, Facebook.com slash BS Bargain Bin, BS Bargain and YouTube.com slash at BS Bargain Bin. Ben. Yes. We did not get a February fan pick. So next week we're doing one of yours. Yeah, we are. What are we watching? Um, we are going to talk about the second of the big two Tales from the Crypt films because we'll be talking 1996's Bordello of Blood. open. Evening, boys. The women are available. We've been waiting for you. But the price... Are you ready? ...is non-negotiable. <laughs> At least now she'll know what's eating him. She is! <laughs> Welcome to the Bordello of Blood. Lucy, I'm home! Where pleasure may be for sale. Take off your clothes, worm. You know, you make it sound really enticing. But death is on the house. My name is Rafe Gutman. Gutman Investigations. My brother's been gone for days. This is your brother? Wow. Same parents? Zeke, I'm looking for your friend Caleb. You seen him? <laughs> I'm here for the uh, Cunningham wake. I'm afraid the wake is closed tonight. If I don't grieve right now, maybe even grieve two or three times. I'm gonna go out of my mind, okay? Universal Pictures presents Dennis Miller. We should split and get some really bad juju off this place. In a new tale, so sexy. 
so terrifying don't forget tasteful it could only come from the crypt tales from the crypt presents bordello of blood <laughs> Until next week, have a good one. All the best.